Hello, everybody. It is the weekly Locked On Big 12 Roundtable. I am the host of Locked On Big 12, Josh Neighbors. John Williams is the host of Locked On Sooners. Stephen Simcox is the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. And Jay Catch is the host of Locked On Cougars. Tonight, folks, we are discussing the best position groups and the best coordinators in the Big 12. This was spurred by some comments that you all left for our Monday mailbag, and it's going to carry over into our Tuesday night roundtable. Hope you all enjoy. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so we're going to start with this conversation about position groups because the players are what matter, not the coaches. The coaches get to go second behind the players. We're a pro player podcast. So um, we got a question for our Monday mailbag about what the, you know, there was the best 10 position groups in the Big 10 or Big 10, Big 12. Not going to do all of them, but I'm going to ask you guys what the best position group on each one of your all's teams is. Now, obviously, Jake, the BYU Cougars are not in the Big 12 right now, but these guys might be the Big 12 next year, or they might not be because they're so good they might be in the league. So, obviously, put your thoughts on those guys. But, John, I will go to you first. What is Oklahoma's best position group this year? Very interesting question. Yeah, it's a really interesting question for Oklahoma in particular because they lost a lot at several different position groups and needed the transfer portal to kind of replenish some things. And this might surprise a few people, but I'm actually going to go with the defensive line. I think with what they brought in with Jeffrey Johnson at defensive tackle to play alongside Jalen Redmond, you got the up-and-comers in Reggie Grimes, Marcus Stripling, and Ethan Downs. I think that group of five right there is going to be really, really good. We, we saw them in the Oregon game, very disruptive off the edge. We saw them in the spring game, you know, take it for what it's worth, but it was a spring game. But those guys were creating all kinds of havoc, getting into the backfield, creating tackles for loss, getting to the quarterback with sacks, quote unquote. And <laughs> I mean, again, very, very disruptive group. I think they've got some really good guys in Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe. Uh, on the interior as well. And I, I just think overall it's going to be a really, really strong group. I think all the way across and too deep. I think it's probably their deepest and maybe best group. That's pretty crazy considering what they lost, uh, yeah. you know, off the line. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's the strength. That's that's strength of Brent Venable's defenses. It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of the calling card, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the number of players that he's sent to the NFL over the last decade right. off of the defensive line and off the edge, and it's staggering. I mean, I created a list of them over at uh, Sooners Wire, and there were so many guys. It took me forever to create that list because over the last <laughs> 10 years, there's just been so many players, and that's just in the top 100, and it's just he knows how to create pressure. I mean, there's the stat that's, that's been uh, thrown around out there that the Clemson Tigers were number one in tackles for loss and number one in sacks over the last decade. And I think that's going to be a telltale sign of what's going to happen with Oklahoma in 2022. And these guys are going to be the beneficiaries of that change in defensive philosophy. Steven, you're up next. This is, this is a curious one. Be <laughs> like, because the thing is, I think Oklahoma's defensive line, you could, you know, you could submit them for a top 10 group uh, in, in the conference, right? We think they're going to be one of the best teams. So obviously you'd probably you'd submit their best position group. Um, does TCU have a group that you would submit maybe to one of the best 10 of the conference? What would it be? Is it wide receivers? Cause they got a, they do have a star at that position in Quentin Johnston. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of uncertainty and potential on this team, which are usually not words that you associate with wins, uh, but we'll see how the year <laughs> plays out. Um, I do think it's actually wide receiver. Quentin Johnston is a legit potential first-round pick. Now, the key for him is he has to stay healthy. And, you know, apparently they've really revamped the strength and conditioning program. Kaz Kazadi, new SMC coach in the building. So hopefully that will help him. Um, elsewhere, I, there's a lot of guys now, again, you're banking on some projections, some potential, but Quincy Sticks Brown is a player that started to come on at the end of last season. Uh, he was originally a Mississippi State commit in the 2020 class. Things didn't work out there, so he ended up on campus at TCU last season. Um, Darius Davis and Tay Barber are two guys in the slot who have played a lot of games over the course of their career. They're similar players, punt return type uh, guys, shifty, can make things happen in the open field. And then here's a name. Uh, that ha- there was a lot of buzz around him during camp. Gunnar Henderson, walk on, transfer from Incarnate Word. Everybody comes from, you know, the great UIW um, and, and makes waves at Power 5 schools. But he got put on scholarship during spring camp because he made so many plays and impressed the co- new coaching staff so much. Um, and, you know, allegedly, according to the players, according to the coaches, they have high expectations for him. So I think there's a lot of different options, a lot of different guys who could step up and get the ball along with Quentin Johnston. Now, the thing about that, too, is, Josh, like when we're talking wide receivers, somebody has to get them the ball. So <laughs> this this entails more consistent quarterback play, better play from your offensive line, which has been an issue the last few years. But I think, you know, the, the biggest positive for this team on that side of the ball and for the wide receivers is Sonny Dykes has scored points wherever he's been. Garrett Riley's coming over. You know, he did a nice job at SMU as the OC. Um, this is what they do. This is honestly why, you know, Jeremiah denied the AD said, I want a coach who knows how to run an offense, who knows how to score points. Um, and so that's why they're here. So if, if that position group and that team, that side of the team is underwhelming, um, then that's bad news for the new staff. So I think they're going to be, better and improved on that side of the ball. And I feel like uh, those wide receivers are the most dynamic part of the team. Yeah. I mean, you and I talked about it so much like TC last year just lacked an identity. I mean, cause they were not able to establish what their old identity was, which was defense, right? We always knew mm-hmm. TC's defense would be strong and that kind of went away. That's I think, I think you're spot on with this. Like they need to establish that identity and especially the passing game is a place they can do it. All right, Jake. So this BYU group, which we think is going to be a, a you know should be a pretty actually pretty good team this year. Where are the Cougars at their best, or which which group is the best? And do you think it would be a top ten group in the Big Twelve? I bet it would be. Uh, the group I'm going with is BYU's offensive line. They lost James Empey last year, who's their starting center. He's now with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he was very good, but across that offensive line, they are going to return 90-plus starts across the mm. five positions for BYU. They have got, I believe, they, they think at least eight. I would venture to say maybe as many as 10 starting caliber linemen amongst that two deep along the offensive line. <laughs> They've got Blake Freeland, who's currently the number three offensive tackle in the upcoming NFL draft. Clark Barrington, who's a top 10 offensive guard. Uh, You're looking at multiple NFL talents along that offensive front for BYU. This is what Kalani Sitake has dreamed of having his entire six years he's been at BYU so far, is having a big, nasty offensive line. Grimes, the offensive coordinator at Baylor before he went to join the Bears at BYU, talked about his offensive lines being the, quote, tip of the spear. And that's what BYU has got right now. 
That offensive line is going to lead the way for BYU. They got to keep a guy like Jaron Hall healthy. They look poised to maybe be, be, maybe be the best offensive line BYU has had maybe two decades. It's been mm. that long. That's you know, that's that's really funny you bring that up because I I there are so many similarities between Baylor and and BYU. Obviously, the coordinator is coming over, but I, I think the group guys that I go to and I think best unit. You know, we always do think about skill position players. They always kind of get the the rub first. But to me, Baylor's offensive line is probably number one. Right? Yeah, that's really- the group. But yeah, I mean, they're really freaking good. They're they're gonna they're gonna return. Uh, flink four of their starters. And I mean, I looked at it the other day, Galvin's a senior. Um, Jeffrey is a senior. Uh, Gall's a graduate. Miller is a graduate. And Keith is a graduate. Uh, you've got a lot of, I mean, it's, you know, there's just a lot of experience up front. And then Ben Sims is a senior tight end too. And he, you know, those, those guys always end up on, uh, as part of the line. So that's where I would go to submit number one. Is there any other group? I mean, Texas running backs have to be up there too. I'm a huge Roshan Johnson guy, yeah. but anybody else have any other gr- group they want to submit towards the top? Because I, I really think at the, like, at the top, it starts with probably Baylor's offensive line. I actually think Baylor's defensive line has a shot at being right up there too, which I'm not sure about the rest of Baylor's team. Uh, they got some questions to answer, but I think at the front, which is really important, they're going to be good. Anybody else got anything else they want to submit? Any other groups? Yeah, I'll, I'll include Texas's wide receiver group. Yeah. With Xavier Worthy and Isaiah Nayor, I think that's going to be a really, really solid group. And then you throw in um, the Alabama wide receiver, Ajay Hall. as well, yeah. Ajay Hall. I mean, it's a it's a group that's got a lot of skill and got a lot of talent. Um, and Jordan Whittington too. Yeah. So it's a it's a problem, and it's going to be a problem for Oklahoma and the rest of big, of the Big Twelve as well. Yeah, I like John there, and I think I think Jordan Whittington is really the X factor because there's a lot of different ways you can get him the ball. Um, he played his high school ball at Quero, which is a small school in Texas. And, I mean, he really did everything for that team. Hasn't been able to stay healthy. But whether it's wide receiver, you know, in your more traditional fashion or taking jet sweeps, making some plays out of the backfield, um, I think he kind of is the key to, to really make that thing go to the next level beyond the, the really talented guys they have at the top. Jay, anything else you want to submit? Uh, so the one I was thinking about, I was just like, I'm, I'm kind of racking my brain. I do want to uh, give a shout out to Cincinnati as one of the outsiders. I know that they're, mm-hmm. they're not coming in right away, but the level that Cincinnati's recruiting at right now, especially the defensive secondary, ugh, keep an eye on the Bearcats, man. That's just kind of one of the outsider looks. I know that they, they lost a lot of guys, Sauce Gardner, et cetera, to the NFL, but what they're replacing there and what they've already got intact Cincinnati's back end of their defense could be absolutely nasty, it looks like. Yeah, and I mean, when you watched that Alabama game last year, like Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner were not the problems. No. Uh, those two guys were fantastic in those in that game. And I mean, the fact they were able to get not just one, two guys back there like that, and that's all development. That's that's a great job by them. I think you're spot on. Um, group I want to submit that I think is top 10, and I'm dead serious, guys. I think that Kansas running back room. I think between Devin Neal and Kai Thomas – yeah, it. I mean, Kai Thomas was really good for Minnesota after Muhammad Ibrahim went down last year, and Devin Neal. You know, the numbers don't jump out at you, but like numbers, you have to put them in context. At Kansas, I mean, he was he is their best offensive player. I, I really do believe that, and he had some big games and some big moments last year. Oh, you was a big game. Texas was a big game for him. He's a real good player, and you add Kai Thomas to that. Like that's two guys that you feel pretty good giving the rock to. Um, I would put them up there. I'd put Texas running backs up there for offensive groups. Um, 
Oklahoma way, State defensive line. Go ahead, yeah, yeah go ahead, Jake. I, I was gonna say I almost went with the Kansas running back group. I I, right. I know that people laugh at that, but you're right. Lance Leipold, the best the best thing that they've got going for them this year in Lawrence is that running back room. They got to rely on those backs. Hope they stay 100% healthy because if they do, Kansas could surprise some folks. That's a really talented running back room despite Kansas being so far down. And yeah, and it's also a great way to make up a deficit, right? I mean, if you can run the football and limit, you know, it's Kansas State's been doing it for years. Like if you hold the rock for a long time, limit the number of possessions and make the most of yours, you know, that's what they did against Oklahoma, right, John? I mean, last, yeah. that first half, there was like four. Uh, you know, the problem, Caleb Williams' interception the first half of that game was there were so few possessions mm-hmm. that you can't just toss them away like that. So I think those running backs, I mean, does anybody disagree? Like, they got a shot. Nope, not at all. I, and I think the identity that Lance Leipold's trying to create is is dependent on that, and it's kind of working. You know, we, Play to we your saw, strength is what Lance play Leipold to your strength, does. And play, you play conservative sometimes if you're a bad team so that you can help you know, mitigate some of your weaknesses, you play to, you know, you run the football and it takes away, you know, your quarterback having to throw the ball 50 times a game and, you know, exposing him behind a bad offensive line a lot of times. But if you can just let your offensive linemen, and they always say it's easier to run block than it is to pass block, let yes. your offensive linemen run the football. And it's going to be, I mean, not them run the football, but let them <laughs> run block. It's going to make it a lot easier on your offense. And yeah, they did that against Oklahoma and they did that a lot at the end of the season last year. And, it's a team to be taken seriously. And I, I know they've been the butt of the joke for, you know, a decade plus since um, oh, Mangini left. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're they're a team to be taken seriously now. Mark Mangino, you mean? Yeah, Mangino. Not, a, not, not Eric, Eric Mangino. Not Eric Mangino. Not Mangino. <laughs> That's a terrible Oklahoma fan right there. Uh, all right. Quick word from our sponsors. And we'll talk about coaches. Thank you for the transition there, John. Uh, today's show is brought to you all by Bill Barger at Bill.com today. That's built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15, for 15% off at built.com. New one, folks, Mud Pie. It's the new flavor. So in the last last couple months, we, we've had the birthday puffs, uh, birthday cake puffs, which really good. The brownie puffs, which we just had recently, which was really good. I've not had the Mud Pie puffs. Anybody had those yet? Mine showed up today, and it was absolutely incredible. I mean, they, they keep, guys, like we legitimately actually like eating these. Like, this is not like we no, do. Yeah, we I, do. we I actually get excited show. when they come in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> we get so fun when they come in the mail. It's free. We're like, oh, breakfast, dessert, whatever it is. And here's the thing. You can eat it at both times of the day um, and you will feel fine about it too. It's yeah, good. I, mean, I just bought myself four boxes last week. So John, there you go. I mean, boom, our hero. Uh, did you use the promo code lock 15 and get 15% Absolutely, off? Absolutely. I did. There you go. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com today. All right, so we talked players. Now it's time to talk coaches. Somebody asked me about the best coordinators. And actually, so I threw out um, the best defensive coordinators. We'll start there first. I threw out three. I threw out from the defensive side. And we'll get your thoughts on this. This is fresh in my mind. I threw out Ron Roberts from Baylor. I threw out John Haycock from Iowa State. And then also I threw out Derek Mason from Oklahoma State now. To me, if you're going to talk about defensive coordinators, those three guys are the best in the league. And I I struggled, I, I think Baylor's defense has the best shot to be the be- best shot of the best this year. I don't know which guy is the best coordinator. So, John, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on those three guys as the best defensive coordinator in the conference, do you agree, disagree? And is there anybody you kind of favor towards the top? I mean, I really like the Derek Mason hire. I mean, if you're going to lose your guy in Jim Knowles, 
to go out and poach Auburn's DC, who had a lot of success and coached a heck of a game against Bama at the end of last mm. year, to bring him in, that was a home run hire for Mike Gundy. And I think it's going to make a huge difference for Oklahoma State to, to allow them to continue to build that defensive side of the ball, maintain that as an identity, and keep them really competitive and contending at the top of the league. I mean, it, it's it's hard to kind of wrap my head around some of these defensive teams, like, you know, because I think we have to include the head coaches that are defensive guys like a Dave Aranda because yeah. they have a heavy stake in the defensive play calling the defensive scheming Brent Venables is right there as well and so I, you know I, I like the Baylor guy he's really good too I mean that Baylor Yo, defense, well that's the thing is we can't put them in there because they're head coaches right so we're going straight yeah. to the coordinators like yeah. I think Ron Roberts is a good track record there's a reason why Dave Aranda brought him over right. and I mean the defense you know look good accordingly I guess. and it's going to be good I mean yes they lost Bernard and they lost Petrie but they're going to be a really really good yeah, team again this year especially. it's just they, they, they have a really good defensive mindset, a good strategy. And Dave Aranda, I mean, even if he's not going to call the plays, you've got one of the best minds in college football on the defensive side of the ball to help in that realm as well. Uh, Steven, you are familiar with, uh, very familiar with Baylor as well. So your thoughts on me putting Ron Roberts there at the, in the top three? Uh, you know, too unproven or am I, am I on with that one? And, and who would you give the nod to? I think the sentiment from the fans, from, from our listeners – is Derek Mason. And, I, you know, I think as a coach as a whole, like we have, we're more familiar with him just because he has that head coaching experience and actually had a few really respectable seasons at Vanderbilt. It's really difficult to win there. Um, and then had a great defense, you know, really good with the defense last year and we all like him. So I think that's, that's why. Uh, but what, what are your kind of thoughts on those three guys? Yeah, I mean, Ron Roberts, I think you're, you're spot on there. And he's been a real steadying presence for Dave Aranda. I know Dave mentioned when he took the job. Ron was actually a head coach at Southeast Louisiana for about five years. And so we kind of leaned on him a lot as far as, you know, helping create an identity, set a foundation for that defense. Of course, Dave is super involved, as John said, in the, the scheme and the strategy. That was what he did at LSU and Wisconsin and other stops before he landed there at Baylor. Um, I'll actually, and, and you know, it's funny cause it's not, it's someone I was thinking about this afternoon, but it's not necessarily someone that I think about a lot when we talk about great assistant coaches. Uh, but the job that John Heacock has done at Iowa state has been super impressive. I mean, they've been consistently really good. And, and while I think Roberts has done a, a great job transforming that Baylor defense, obviously Derek Mason has a outstanding track record. And I feel like he's got a lot to work with at Oklahoma state. Um, I'll give the, the nod there to Heacock at Iowa state, just because when you think of the Cyclones, I think of physical, defensive-minded teams that are going to hit you in the mouth, um, and they really started the trend of going down, going to a three-down line look. Um, mm -hmm. You know, being able to get uh, to the the quarterback with those three defensive linemen, keeping your linebackers and your a secondary. lot of people adopted that three-three-five. Yeah, lot a lot of people, of people took that from John Acock. A lot of people have, um, and they've just been able to maintain it. Now, not necessarily the, the best defense in the Big 12 every single season, but they've kept a good, consistent level of elite play. So um, I'll give him the nod, but I think it's a good list. It's it's uh, some All those guys are somewhat understated, right? Like there's not just one, I feel like, that's a slam dunk, head and shoulders above the rest. Um, but just the consistency that Iowa State has shown is why I'll roll with, uh, with Heacock in this regard. So I'm going to go offense now when I talk to you, Jay, because you do have some familiarity uh, I, with Jeff. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and go on defense. I, I've got a, I've got a sneaky name. He's in his first year in Lubbock, but Tim DeRoyder. Keep an mm. eye on him. 
He's got a proven track record as a defensive coordinator. I know that it's a first year for Texas Tech. I'm not expecting him to be lights out in year one. But keep an eye on DeRoyter. The dude knows how to coordinate defenses. May not have been a great role as a head coach at Fresno State, but when he's been a coordinator, he's been some high-level places. He's done a really good job. So just keep an eye on him. So let's talk, let's go offense now. This is a this conference on offense has a lot of really interesting names. Yeah. Jeff Grimes is a really interesting name. Colin Klein, obviously new. Jeff Lebby, Casey Dunn, Garrett Riley, Kyle Flood, Zach Kitley, Graham Harrell. I mean, there is there is some variety here. Yeah. Um, and, and you're familiar, obviously, with Jeff Grimes. I mean, I think he's right up there, but I feel like the nod probably goes to Lebby because he probably should be head coach at this point, but he's not due to other issues. Yeah. So Grimes is there, right, right, Jake? But it's probably Lebby who's at the top. top. Yeah, I'd probably give the nod to Levy, but Grime Dog, as I like to call him, that was his nickname here in Provo. Yeah, I think he's probably number two. I'm, and like I said, Texas Tech, it's the first year under a head coach. Zach Kitley, this dude is young. He has a wild, wide open offense that is revolutionary. Uh, he could make Texas Tech an interesting team, but I think the top two easily are Levy and Grimes. Yeah, John, Levy. Yeah, no disagreement for me. I mean, he's just the track record, you know, from UCF, getting them to to play at the high level that they played at, uh, you know, kind of continuing on what Josh Heupel had, had started, um, yeah. you know, with the offense, getting a great year out of Dylan Gabriel his freshman year, and then going on to Ole Miss and having another you know fantastic run as the offensive coordinator there. I, to me, he's the best coordinator, um, possibly on either side of the football um, for the for the conference. Uh, and Stephen, I, I want to ask you about Zach Hitley. He is the the starlet, right? He is, yeah. he is the one where, um, you know, I'm trying he is, he could have, I guess it might be a bad example, but the Ray Liotta and Goodfellas, right? The, the you know, the, the moment where like, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of star power here, but the guy that we're all watching, sure, sure. You give me De Niro. Sure. You got, give me Joe Pesci, but Ray Liotta is the, the guy here. He's, he's the star. Um, you know, and think about all these. You know, there's so many other guys, right? The Jeff Levy's the world. Garrett Riley's the world. Has the last name Riley. Stabby's very interesting. Graham Harrell, Colin Klein, that new blood. But like, Kitley is the one that we're all watching, right? He is the one that we're all like, all right. It's worked at, at Houston Baptist, okay? It has worked, um, you know, uh, Western uh, Kentucky. Western Kentucky, yeah, yeah. At Texas Tech, it feels like it should work, and then somebody somewhere, hell, maybe an NFL team, right? That would be the first time Tech Tech coach made the jump. You know, I know he's a coordinator, but still, like, this feels like it's going to – it could be a one-year internship, right, if things go well. Yeah, I mean, give me the Houston Baptist Bandit. Give me the Western Kentucky cool kid. I don't know. I couldn't think of a a good nickname there. Sort of back himself in the corner. Yeah, the hill – the height of the hilltoppers. Um this is such a good hire by Joe McGuire. And, and Jake just talked about gender to the defense coordinator. Like he's putting together a good staff. Yeah. But Zach Kitley. Yeah. He's, you know, air raid disciple type innovative. Uh, not really the personality of like a Mike Leach or a Hal mummy, but sort of cut from that same cloth of throwing the ball around. This is what they do in West Texas. He spent some time in Lubbock before he knows what it takes um, to get it done at that level and get it done at that job. So I'm super excited to see what he does. And and honestly, like Tech's got some, you know, got some talent there. Like Donovan Smith is a really interesting player. They have some other guys in that quarterback room um, that we could see emerge. So 
Uh, I think it's a, it's a fun hire. It's a good hire. And yeah, it's probably not a long-term thing. Like he's most likely sort of, this is a stepping stone. If things go well to the next job. Um, but as long as you have him in the door, I mean, try to try to get back to what tech did because nobody, like nobody's fit. Tuberville was such an awkward and, and bad fit. Um, you know, I thought I thought Matt Wells was a good dude, but it didn't work. Cliff Kingsbury made all the sense in the world, but the wins didn't get there. Like they need to get back to um, swinging their sword like the pirate Mike Leach did, and and have a clear, you know, kind of weird off-brand um, team like they did in the past. And, and maybe Zach Kitley can get them there. I think you know with Joey McGuire, like it. He is very much like the people assembler, right? That is, mm-hmm. he's like the George Lucas. He's like, you know, another movie now. He's like, he is not, maybe not a good director. I don't know, football coach, like whatever. But by all accounts, he's a very good recruiter. And we all like, you know, not to make a rhyme pun here. We all like Tim DeRuiter. He's a good recruiter. Boom, there you go. Um, and also, you know, you, you've got Zach Hitley there too. Like he's just assembling talent and they have a really good recruiting class coming in next year. If they can get those guys signing day, it's obviously the key. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, I think this feels like it could work out. I think this year for them could be tough. So I think actually they might get two years of Kitley. I, I just don't think everything's aligned perfectly for them. We'll see. Um, I do, I do want to ask kind of crossing, uh, let's, let's cross them over offense, defense, hard to compare. Do we think Jeff Lebby, Jake, is is the number one guy in the entire conference? I know John does. I know John John asserted that, and we'll go John in a second. But is Lebby numero uno in your mind? Yeah, he is. Uh, it's hard to. <laughs> You're you know. so sad saying that. Yeah. Like, well, I'm just. I don't mean it sounds sad saying that. I just. I. I think that he his track record proves that he he is the guy. Uh, the interesting part will be to see uh, which of these newer guys, the Kitley, the Graham Harrell, Graham Harrell, by the way, one went on Graham Harrell. Neil Brown is under an immense yeah. pressure in West Virginia. Graham Harrell, I actually think is a very good offensive coordinator. The problem is, uh, is he got what this year to prove it? Like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I thought too. This is a big, re- well, he had nowhere else to go. Cause USC yeah. obviously is getting forced out, but like, yeah, this is this is tough, man. This is a tough spot for him to yeah. be in. Yeah, Lebby, Lebby's the number one guy. It's clear number one. I just I look at a guy like Graham Harrell. I think he's a good coordinator. It's just it's a tough situation. You got pretty much one year in Morgantown to show what you can do. Yeah, and then I you know at two like you know uh, John, I'll let you go about Jeff Lebby being number one. I mean, you kind of already said your piece about it, but like you know where, where do you kind of go at number two? Is it an offense guy? Is it a defense guy? I mean, I, I think there's several ways you could go. You know, you could make an argument for Zach Hitley, but like I think I think I would go Derek Mason. Yeah, I think I think Grimes Mason would be like right there, kind of battling yeah. it out for number two. I think what I think what they were able to do at Baylor, turning you know Gary Bohannon into a legit quarterback, turning Abram Smith into a draft pick after switching from linebacker to running back, I think that was monumental, and it showed that they're able to utilize the talent that they have and get the best out of it. I'll be curious to see how Blake Shapen plays this year, but I mean he's going to have a great offensive line to play behind, and you know that they're going to be able to run the ball because they have a great offensive line to play behind. Yeah. Now, what they have at wide receiver, that'll be the question. But I think Jeff Grimes is right there. He's had a good track record as well. And I think Derek Mason's got to be right there too. I mean, I think those three, you could make an argument for any of them being number one. Um, and then if I'm picking Levy at number one, then Mason or Grimes are, are right there for number two. All right, so I'm going to ask you a different question, Stephen, here. 
the Big 12 coordinator most likely to get a head coaching job from the Big 12? I think this is a very interesting question. Hmm. The most likely to get a head coaching job. So, like, because here's the thing. Jeff Levy, after the season he had last year, if all things were even, like, should be getting a coaching job. So, I kind of, like, he might get, he still might end up getting one. I kind of want, I kind of want to toss him out of this just because his circumstances are non-football related. That's what's keeping him from getting, um, getting a job. So I think it's kind of like that situation is not really something we should factor in here. Uh, so Jeff Levy is pushed to the side for this. Who do you think here is the, is the pick? Yeah. I mean, I could see somebody reaching for, for Kitley if he had a huge year. But I, I think it's Jeff Grimes. Like I, I just think it makes the most sense for him to slide into that head coaching role. Um, you know, he's been an assistant for a long time. He's done a great job at different stops. He's produced NFL talent. He checks all the boxes. Uh, so, so that would be the one that that makes the most sense to me. Like I, I feel like, you know, Derek Mason. He had a stint at Vandy, so maybe he could re, uh, sort of get back in that mix if he had another huge year. But to me, Grimes seems like the next guy on deck to to get a head job. It would be him, and then I mean, Derek Mason is interesting because you want to, you know, would somebody want to do a retread? But I think right. he's got so much respect. Um, and I could see somebody. I mean, especially like a, you know, a, like a, a lot of things don't go well for Ryan Satterfield, like Memphis, you know, something something like that. One of the really good G five jobs, I guess you know, whatever. Or uh, let's just say Andy Avalos doesn't work out for him at Boise State, right? I mean. Their identity was, you know, is, is has been defense in the past at times. Um, it definitely wasn't offense last year, and so I think I think that you know, like I think a guy like Derek Mason might be a, might be you know right for one of those jobs. Um, Let me, me add, go ahead. Can I? I want to just one thing on Jeff Grimes. Uh, when he came to BYU, he'd been a, a career offensive line coach, and I so he he did two different stints at BYU. I am very close with one of his former offensive linemen from his first stint at BYU. When he got the job the second time to come over as offensive coordinator for BYU, the conversation I had with this former offensive lineman, he said, "There's one reason Jeff Grimes is coming to BYU, Jake. The biggest thing is he wants to be a head coach one day. He feels like mm. he." The next step to get to being an offensive coordinator and his run as an offensive coordinator so far has been absolutely stellar. I'm with Steven. He is going to be a head coach sooner rather than later. Had, uh, had things worked out where you have Dave Aranda jump to USC, like some of the rumors were emerging during the offseason, it would have been a very natural transition to elevate Jeff Grimes, the head coach at Baylor. He is going to be a coach in that Texas, SEC, ACC, kind of that that area of the world because that is the place he wants to coach. That's where he's most comfortable. And he is going to be a head coach, if not this offseason, I think maybe maybe two more years at the very most before you see Jeff Grimes leading his own program. I, I agree. I actually was surprised. I was actually a little surprised that he didn't get more looks because think about the place that he has been. Yeah. Um, bo- you know, Boise as a coach here. Boise, Arizona State, BYU, Colorado, mm-hmm. Auburn, T- Virginia Tech, LSU, BYU, and Baylor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got the map covered, right? He's really got the, he's got the entire map covered. J- uh, Steven? Well, can I interject here? Are we talking special teams coordinators at all? Because Jeff Banks made a lot of headlines last year, and I think, like, stripper, monkey, that situation, that sounds like an SEC head coach to me. Or UNLV. I- I was gonna say FAU or UNLV. Actually, my two, my two. Yeah, you're right. You, no, you guys are right. FAU. Oh, I like, like Boca Raton. It's like Boca oh, Raton. Yes. 
Yeah. Although I think uh, who has that job right now? It's uh, Willie Taggart, right? Willie yeah. Taggart. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. I mean, that's yeah. UNLV if they need a new coach, I think they know who to call. <laughs> and they know because you know both both husband and wife in that situation can easily get jobs. So I think that would be a that'd be good. Anybody else uh, that you know? Is there anybody that we're sitting here and we're like, oh my god, this person's a head coach, and we just completely missed it? Um, uh, Kyle Flood, Graham Harrell, Casey Dunn. Um, Garrett Riley, like, are, are we missing anybody here? I don't think anybody necessarily that's on the cusp in that group per se. I, I think there are future head coaches. Like, I like Graham Harrell. He screams to me a, a future head coach at like a G5 program, like Western Kentucky, running an air raid system. He screams to me a head coach, but he's it doesn't seem like that's going to be imminent for him. Yeah, I think we'd be reaching with anybody. I mean, you know. If, and Jake, I guess you probably know this guy well, but Pete Gutowski, if, if they turn things around at Texas, okay. like his, he's going to rep- fight for his job. This I know, year, I, know but I, I get it, but his reputation took such a hit, but he was well-respected at Utah. If, if Texas is in the mix, like, yes. you know, you yeah, know, there is one team. assistant that we're missing out on with head coaching experience at the university of Texas. That'd be a young pup by the name of Gary Patterson. <laughs> he is there. He is. <laughs> He decided not to get a coaching job somewhere else because he wanted to be, you know, scornful, yeah. spiteful toward his towards his old school. But yeah, um, it's it's an interesting conversation to have here. Uh, all right, friends, this was fun. Everybody out there, let us know what you all think about these conversations. Your favorite coordinators in the conference, your favorite position groups in the conference. Next guy to be a head coach. Um, you know, I, I think that's a really good question to ask as well. Time for plugs. John Williams, plug all of your work and its variety. Yeah, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners, on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast, and over on YouTube, free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can also read Oklahoma Sooners coverage over at the Sooners Wire. Mr. Simcox. Yeah, Matt Simcox, Steven on Twitter at Lockdown Horn Frogs is the show Twitter account, and then wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, I'd love to interact with uh, you know the people. We're in the middle of off season here, so if you have questions or comments, do my work for me, please, and hit me up on those various social media accounts. And he did defend any of the fan bases today, so there we go. That's good. It's <laughs> good from Steven. There's still Jake. time. <laughs> There's still time. All the time left here, Jake. You can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. By the way, I just want to give a little plug uh, to one of my listeners. He's a longtime Locked On Cougars listener. I got a DM from him. This goes back maybe to over the weekend, actually. He said, hey, Jake, I want to let you know that the Locked On Big 12 podcast is absolutely phenomenal. The roundtable is awesome. So just a shout out uh, from Cougar Nation, I guess, out there. On Big 12. Let's go Cougar Nation. Yeah, there you go. Uh, make sure you check out the show Locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And of course, follow the show on YouTube. We have hit 900 subscribers, folks, almost to a thousand subscribers. So uh, we're closing in on that coveted mark, I guess you should say, on YouTube. Subscribe there and obviously just join us everywhere else you get your podcasts. It's it's very much coveted make, for us to make too. Jake some money, you baby. Actually Let's monetize go. our YouTube channels. Uh, after you guys subscribe to Locked On uh, Cougars, also subscribe to Locked On Big 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, look, building – so I, I don't mean to be like this guy, but like building the conference one is a bit more difficult because yeah. obviously, you know, I'm not giving you Oklahoma information every single day, although some people have accused me of doing that. I'm not <laughs> giving you – I'm not giving, you know, Kansas information every single day. But, but we are talking about the 10 Big 12 teams currently. We are talking about the four teams coming into the conference. We are talking about the two teams that are leaving the conference as well. Uh, you know, uh, uh, so make sure you guys follow Locked On Big 12 on Twitter at LO Big 12. 
subscribe on YouTube. Find us wherever you get your podcast. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. We'll have some more uh, you know, variety of topics, and we might be celebrating another Big 12 championship. Well, it's probably not going to be next week at this point. Uh, but there's opportunity. OU in Texas in the College World Series as well, so we'll have some stuff on that. All right, folks, it was fun. We'll see you all next week.